0: Hello and welcome to the Commander's Quarters, I'm your host Mitch, glad to have you here. Here at the Commander's Quarters we're all about Commander on a Budget. Today we have an episode of Commander's Two Cents. On episodes like these I give you my own personal take on topics about the format in general and current news. This show and episodes like this one are possible thanks to viewers like you. If you're looking for an easy way to help support this show, make sure that you like, share, and subscribe. Also, hit that bell notification icon so you don't miss any new episodes. And while you're at it, subscribe and review our podcast as well. You can also go check out our playmats and other merchandise at thecommandersquarters.com. Another easy way to support this show is with our TCG Player Affiliate Links. So whether you're buying a deck or individual cards, you can use this general link right here or one in the description. And the final way that you can support this show is by supporting us directly by becoming a patron. There are many benefits to being a patron, and I truly couldn't do this without all their support. Hello and welcome to the Commander's Quarters. I'm your host, Mitch. Glad to have you here. So today's topic is going to be commanders that are overpowered. In the most recent years, it seems like Wizards has been pushing commanders further and further and just making them, well, overpowered. When you read through a commander and you, you just see a brand new commander out there and you read it and you say, oh, this commander is great and you're only halfway through reading the text and then there's another half a text that you got to read and you're like, why did they include all this extra stuff that just makes this commander just, well, overpowered? It seems like that's happening more and more often lately. So I'm going to give some examples of some recent commanders that I think are just really overpowered. These are not in, any, well, they're not in any specific power level order, but they are in order from oldest, which is not too old. It's back in, I believe, early 2019 to most recent. And we're just going to go through kind of the progression of pushedness, which is not a word, that wizard seems to be pushing commanders with. Anyways, that's a terrible phrase. Here we go. All right. So back in Ravnica Allegiance, one that really stood out to me was Tasa Karlov. Tasa Karlov is a 2-4 human advisor that costs 2 white-black. She has, if a creature dying causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers initial time, and creature tokens you control have vigilance and lifelink. So that first part, when you read it, you're like, oh my gosh, is they like reverse panharmonicon on a creature on a commander? That's fantastic. I can think of a lot of things to do with that. Was the creature tokens you control have vigilance and lifelink really necessary at all on this card? Like that that just seems like something that they're just like, you know what? It'll be fun. Let's just, you know, let's just give them that as well. It's something that, like, I used to have a taste of deck. I don't have it anymore, But I completely forgot about a t- ton of times. You know, you'd sacrifice a creature. It would create, you know, double tokens. You'd get those tokens. And then you'd just attack with them at some point. They're like, And someone would have to remind you, oh, by the way, those tokens have Vigilance and Lifelink. And you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that half of the card. Because the first half is already powerful enough that you don't need that. I just, I can't imagine sitting in that meeting that they're making taste and they're like, I feel like this is missing something. I don't I don't think players are going to play this card. You know, a, a Death Harmonicon isn't enough. We need more. We need more. What can we give them? Alright, token synergies. Perfect. Alright, yes. Good job. Not just Vigilance. No, 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 no. Vigilance and Lifelink. That's perfect. Anything else? No, that, that's it's pretty good. So yeah, just like that. Oh, I, I think that if you can forget at a certain point the extra abilities that something has, the extra effects that something has... That it might be just a little bit pushed because you really only really need that top part. And again, why? Why? I mean, is a great commander. People love Tasa. It's a very popular one. It's just, I mean, please comment below and let me know. Have you ever forgot, if you have a Taysa deck, that it actually has that as well? Just let me know. Okay, anyway, let's move on to Modern Horizons, which was a set that had a ton of push cards. I think the most pushed one, though, was Urza, Lord High Artificer. Uh, it's a 1-4 Human Artificer that costs 2 blue-blue. He when he enters the battlefield, create a 0-0 zero, zero colorless construct artifact token with this creature gets plus minus 1 for each artifact you control. Tap an untapped artifact you control, add blue, and pay 5. Shuffle your library, then exile the top card. Until end of turn, you may play that card without paying its mana cost. Urza, yes, is supposed to be one of the most powerful characters in Magic's history. But really, did it need all of that? Okay, first off, the most powerful part of this text, obviously, is that tap an artifact you control, add blue. It essentially turns all your artifacts into mock sapphires or whatnot, essentially, basically, right? All of your artifacts now become mana rocks. That is brokenly good. It also just happens to give you an artifact when it comes in, so it basically only costs three mana because it's giving you one back when it comes in. And that construct can become huge because it's based on the power of artifacts that you... or the power... the number of artifacts that you control, okay? So most people don't even care or need that part. That wasn't a necessary part of it. And the most unnecessary part of it, which is extremely powerful is giving you a place to put all that mana that Urza gives you. It's, you know, pay five, shuffle your library, get something random off the top. So you basically can just keep getting things and getting things and getting things. It gives you the means to be broken. It also gives you kind of that that uh, that place to put all the broken mana into and then gives you even more broken things off the top. So it's just, it's, again, I know it's supposed to be a very powerful character in Magic's history, but this one was pushed. Really pushed. Uh, another one in that same set, Not quite as pushed, in my opinion, but still a pushed, overpowered commander, is Yogmoth, Ran Physician. It's a 2-4. He's a 2-4 human cleric that costs 2 black-black, protection from humans, uh, pay 1 life, sacrifice another creature, put a minus 1 minus 1 counter and up to 1 target creature and draw a card, and then pay black-black, discard a card, proliferate. So essentially... A free sacrifice outlet in Commander is always going to be a good thing for decks that are looking to sacrifice things for value. Yes, you have to pay life, but it's free. In Commander, you start for 40 life, that's a ton. You've got ways to gain life, too. You're going to be fine, okay? It's a free sacrifice outlet that you benefit from because you draw a card and you get a minus one, minus one counter on something. So, it's a basically a free draw engine as long as you've got three things, free things to sacrifice. And you also can just take out other people's creatures, too. On top of that, for some reason, you need the ability to also proliferate with this. So, yes, it does, obviously, these things synergize. Yeah, obviously, these cards have synergies baked in. But it's just kind of layer upon layer upon layer of, hey, you know what else would be fun with this one? Let's just add this. Let's just add this, too. Let's add this. I mean, the deck, to be powerful, Yawgmoth, a Yawgmoth deck does not need that proliferate effect to be powerful and broken. It does not need that. It just needs a couple of undying creatures, and then you win. But basically. Oh, Wizards is pushing things, okay? All right, let's move on to some more recent ones. Uh, let's go to Throne of Eldraine, and first up, we've got Corvold, Faker's King. It's a 4-4 Flying Dragon Noble that costs two black, red, green. Whenever it enters the battlefield or attacks, sacrifice another permanent. Whenever you sacrifice a permanent, put a plus-plus-one counter on Corvold and draw a card. So the part that I think was just stapled on this one that wasn't needed at all for it to be a good commander is that plus-plus-one counter. Basically. Corvold is a value engine. Anytime you sacrifice something, you draw a card. Again, like Yogg Moth, essentially, you're drawing cards for basically free at a certain point. Like you, you're set up, you're drawing a ton of cards. You play a Harrow, you sacrifice land, you draw cards. You just keep sacrificing, 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 drawing, 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 putting more things out, sacrificing. You're getting a ton of value off of that. You don't need Corvold to become a 21 21 in no time because of those counters to win. But you do. That's just a side benefit of sacrificing things and getting things off of, or in drawing those cards. You also get that side benefit of, oh, by the way, Corvold can now just kill with commander damage in one swing. Because why not? Because why not? Why not just give it plus one, plus one counters? Because drawing cards isn't good enough for sacrificing permanence. Okay, next one that I think a lot of people saw at first and was like, this thing is really pushed. Tulane, Teller of Tales. It's a 2-4 human druid that has Vigilance that costs 2 green, white, blue. Whenever you cast a creature spell, draw a card, then you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield and pay 3 and tap it, return target creature you control to its owner's hand. Okay, first off, whenever you cast a creature spell, draw a card. That's already a very good thing to have in the command zone. Oh, but you know what, on top of that, this is also going to ramp you. Okay, and that land, it doesn't even come to play tapped. Then you can use those lands to cast more things. Obviously, there's a lot of broken things. When it comes to creatures coming into play and drawing you a card and putting a land into play, there's plenty of creatures that return themselves back to your hand, like a Shrieking Drake, I believe, is is probably the one that works best with this. But basically, there's plenty of broken things you can do, and they just, like, never thought, you know what, let's just slow this one down a little bit. Maybe those lands come into play tapped. Maybe it just gives you a treasure, which is temporary mana or something. Again, that still be probably too broken. But regardless, like, There's got to be some kind of a middle ground with this one. And then just let's just staple on there a way to get a card creature back in your hand. So it can actually protect itself. You know, it doesn't have haste, but it can protect itself at a certain point. So you can just bounce it back to your hand or bounce something else valuable back to your hand. It's pushed. It just, they just, and they stapled Vigilance on it too. For whatever reason, Chilean just also needs Vigilance. Just pushed. Okay. The most recent examples though, let's go to Ikoria. And I I guess we have C20 for this too, but they came out at the same time essentially. So, Ikoria, we've got Riel the Everwise, uh, 0-3 human wizard that costs 1 blue red. Uh, Riel the Everwise gets plus 1 plus 0 for each instant sorcery card in your graveyard, and whenever you discard one or more cards for the first time each turn, draw that many cards. So, this one obviously is overpowered because if you wheel, you essentially draw double cards. You're discarding cards because of the wheel, you draw from the wheel, and you draw from Riel. So, that's great. Oh my goodness, you can draw a ton of cards in one turn and then the next turn you can draw a ton of cards and you're just getting a ton of value off that sure why does Riel need that plus one plus zero for each instant source in your graveyard why did they staple that on there too like it just that's unnecessary it's already a powerful it's extremely powerful card without that but now you're just like, okay, yeah, Riel just happens to, at some point, get to, again, like a 21-3, uh, I guess. It doesn't get the toughness. But a 21-3 that can just kill in one shot, and maybe you can make it unblockable with your Rogue's Passage or something. And then you just win with that, too. It's just an extra, or you, or you just fling it at someone. There's plenty of things that you can do with Riel to just take advantage of that power, and tough, or not toughness, but the power. Anyways, was that really a needed extra thing? Did they, uh, to make this card good, was that really an extra thing that you just had to staple onto it and be like, oh, player players are going to play this one now because we put this on there. They wouldn't have. They wouldn't have if we didn't put that plus one or yeah, plus one plus zero for each instant sorcerer in the graveyard. They weren't going to do it. So another one, obviously from that set uh, that people immediately saw and were like, yeah, this is, this is pushed. And uh, because Simic needs more push things, Kinnan Bonder Prodigy, 2-2 Human Druid that costs green, blue. Two mana. Whenever you tap a non land permanent for mana, add one mana of any type that permanent produced. Pay five green blue. Look at the top five cards of your library. Put a non human creature card from among them onto the battlefield. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So, this thing outside of lands doubles up all your mana. So, mana rocks, mana dorks, anything. It goes infinite with uh, was it basalt monolith right away? It's just oh, Simic. Did Simic really need a commander that costs two? and does all this stuff again even if you just take off the bottom text and you just have the top text that's still very good okay it's fine with just that you can stop there and and I won't bring it on this episode and say it's overpowered i, mean, I might have still but okay regardless that bottom part that you're just like okay now i'm going to give you a place to put all that mana it's like urza okay you, it gives you the way to abuse to abuse your permit to get that mana and then it gives you the way to dump that mana into something to then get the effect that you want, okay? So, again, you're looking at the top five cards, you get a non-human creature into the field for free. You can just keep doing that over and over and over again. I'm sure there's some kind of a creature that you can, you know, loop this with, or not loop this with, but, you you know, you get your, you get another piece that you can dump into, like your Thrasios or something at a certain point, once you generate that infinite mana, and then you can just dump into Thrasios, draw your entire deck and win. There are extremely powerful things that you can do with this. That part was not needed to be stapled onto it. It would have been fine without it. It still would have been very powerful, but. That's pushed. And especially for a Simic Commander, does Simic really need more good commanders? No. Okay. I mean, Simic players are going to comment now. It's great. It's okay. All right. So last one in C20. And this one is definitely one that I think they stapled on a bit too much. Uh, it's Calamax the Storm Sire, a 4 4 elemental dinosaur that costs 1 green, blue, red. Whenever you cast your first instant spell each turn, if Calamax the Storm Sire is tapped to copy that spell, you may copy. choose new targets for the copy. Whenever you copy an instant spell, put a plus-plus-one counter on Kalamax. So, that first part, yes, that's a very powerful thing. You get a spell for free, essentially, if it's tapped. That's that's powerful. That just is powerful. That extra part, again, the plus-plus-one counter, was that really needed? If played in a fair way, sure, right? But they had to do some playtesting right away and be like, you know what? If you cast any spell, like, uh, what, increasing vengeance or fork, or something that copies... And that's your first instant spelled and gets copied, you've just got infinite copies going on the stack, and then Calix can just get infinitely big by just casting essentially one spell. Is that really needed? You know, did you have to put that second part on the commander? I think this would have been a lot of fun to build around if you didn't have that second part. I mean, it was it was, I believe it was my pick for my favorite card from C20, but that's, you know, with my own condition to myself that I'm not gonna put those doubling or not those, those copy spells in the deck because. It's just an easy win. You just, okay, oh, I cast my one spell with my commander. Oh, and I win. I win. CalMex it, it, is infinitely big. My Rogue's Passage gets it through or whatnot. It's unblockable, or I fling it at someone. It's just, that's not, it didn't need that second part to be interesting or fun. It, it was fine without that. And then because of that added stapled on thing, it's just, you know what? I, I just, I would love to sit in on those, you know, those meetings where they're they're making these cards, and they're like, this first part's not enough. Players aren't going to play it. Let's add something else. What else is it? What else do we need? Plus almost one counters on it. All right, perfect. All right, here we go. Just ship it. Ship it, ship it. Players will buy it. I think that, again, the trend is still going to keep happening, obviously. Things every single year seem to be more pushed than the last year. I think it's going to keep happening. You're going to keep seeing commanders where you read through the first half of text and... You're like, oh, this is a really cool commander to build around. And then the second half of the text is like, oh my gosh, this thing is brokenly good because of all this massive wall of text. And it did not need half of it. It's going to happen. So be on the lookout for that. So, or, you know what, if you think I'm wrong about all this, that's completely fine, too. So just let me know in the comments below. Anyways, I hope that you you enjoyed this episode on Overpowered Commanders. And, uh, yeah, let me know what you think on Overpowered Commanders or what commanders you think are most overpowered. Uh, as of the recent sets, I guess. Not Not going back too far, because obviously there's some broken things from there, too. But yeah, let me know in the comments below, and uh, thanks again, and have a good one. And make sure you're following us on social media for more updates and sneak peeks on future episodes. Again, a huge thank you to my patrons who helped make this show possible. I truly couldn't do any of this without your support. If you want to support this channel directly, consider becoming a patron. There are many benefits to being a patron, including being able to vote on future commanders for deck techs. There are even tiers where you get your own personalized deck tech dedicated to you. You can check out all the Patreon tiers and rewards at patreon.com slash commandersquarters. If you haven't already, make sure that you like and subscribe to the channel. Here at the Commander's Quarters, we're all about Budget Commander. So while you're at it, go ahead and check out some of our other types of episodes. And with that, I'm out of here. Thanks again, and have a good one.